0: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
1: With the second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud, quarterback Ohio State. In the AFC, you have
2: no shot without a guy that can be a top flight guy. This was an absolute no-brainer. Common sense wins out.
3: Everything I've been through is uh, prepared me for this moment right here. I was no, at a point when nobody believed in me, but I, I put my trust in God and my family and what I did. I had discipline and just consistency, man. You can do anything you put your mind to.
2: I'll tell you what, it was an interesting, interesting NFL draft that brought a lot of highlights, some nice little warm stories. There were some lowlights, too. But we're going to focus on the positive, because that's me. I'm Mr. Positive. I'm Mr. Half Full. I'm never someone that in any way, Chris Canty, can be construed as negative mm. in how I approach life and how I approach everything. It is sunshine and rainbows, everything in front of me. It's like when I look around the entire world as Muppets. That's my life. That's how I view things. Are you trying to
3: convince us or are you trying to convince yourself? Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
0: Here's Carlin (laughs) with the top five.
2: Let's get right into it. I get to do the top five things from the draft this weekend, so let's get into it. My top five observations, very positive. Number five. Canty, just for a second. I mean, I never I, – I throw compliments at the Dallas Cowboys like manhole covers, okay? <laughs> but the moment that they drafted Deuce Vaughn and his father got to call him – for those who don't know, Deuce Vaughn, the running back from Kansas State, was drafted by the Cowboys. His father is a scout and one of the higher-ups with the Cowboys. And they had his father call him, and there is video on Twitter of it. Of his father saying, "Deuce, it's your dad." My my phone wasn't working. I said, "Oh, hey, dad." He goes, "How'd you like to come to work with me Monday morning?" And his father was getting all choked up. Like, how awesome is that?
3: That's a really cool moment. And Will McClay hugging his dad and and, and, and that and whole room and was so Jones jacked up, for erupted. Him. Like everybody was excited about it. That that was that was one of those heartwarming moments. It tugs at the heartstrings. If if you didn't emote when you saw that. Then you don't have a heartbeat. That was that was awesome, and that's really what the draft in the NFL wants it to be all about, right? Football is family. That's one of the slogans that the league uses. Uh, I mean that that is that is the definition of that. Totally agree.
2: And if you think that just because he was that he was picked like as a favor or anything like that, oh no, he can play. Oh can no. Play. No, no, Deuce Vaughn may have been a sixth round pick, and he's only five five. This dude is a really, really good running back, and is the kind of guy, because he's so small, he kind of gets hidden behind the line, and then once he finds a little crease, gone. He's yeah. that guy.
3: Yeah. He is Anyway, that
2: guy. very cool moment. Number four. The New York Giants had an awesome draft. They really did. I thought they did exceptionally well. First thing they did was they took Deontay Banks. Now... Is Deontay Banks a guaranteed lockdown corner? He is not. He's just a guy that's a tremendous athlete and has really good instincts, but he's somebody that they expect to develop well. Runs a four three eight forty. He's six foot two. Boy, you don't find that very often in a corner. I think Deontay Banks was a great pick. My favorite pick of the whole draft is John Michael Schmitz. He was going to be. I didn't find a person that had a negative word to say about him and how much he loves football. Uh, I love that they traded up to get Jalen Hyatt. Later, I mean, this is a true deep threat. He was one of your favorites uh, on the board. I believe he was one of your top five receivers. Was he, he not? Was,
3: he was. He was. And I had yep. a first round grade on him. And the fact that they got him in the third round, it yep. just speaks to how savvy Joe Shane, the Giants general manager, is at working the draft. But big Fellow, the most impressive part to what they did is that they addressed their top three positions of need with their yep. first three picks. It is I had rare it wide that you receiver. Can do that. I had it as interior offensive lineman, and I had it as corner, and Joe Shane got great value with all three. I totally, totally agree with that. Number three. about my Pittsburgh Steelers?
2: Hey! Amazing draft. <laughs> I'm not being at all uh, any kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, canty-like when it comes to my fandom. Wow. Okay? okay. I don't see the world in purple and gold-colored glasses. That's not what this is. This is not me looking black and gold. I loved what they did jumping in front of the Jets. The, the old Steelers never did that. They did it a few years ago with Devin Bush. They did it here because they needed an offensive tackle. That line has been terrible for a few years and it's slowly gotten better. They went and got Broderick Jones before the Jets could do it. And in in the meantime, the Patriots really screwed the Jets over there, too. No doubt. <laughs> oh, completely hosed him. No doubt. Uh, and I love the pick of Joey Porter Jr., not because he's Joey's senior's uh, kid. Uh, it's because, as one coach who had to get ready for him uh, this season uh, put to me prior to the draft, Canty, he, he was a blank to get ready for. He is a yeah. tough, tough guy. No uh, doubt. That is my number three. Number two. My number two is C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson going to the Houston Texans. Canty, the Houston Texans had a great weekend. When was the last time you ever said that? Long time, boss. I know they gave up a lot to go back and get Will Anderson, but sometimes you have to take a chance. Will Anderson may not be an 18-sack guy. But he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. Yeah, And those are not easy to find. No, And you and I both love C.J. Stroud. They, uh, they let people think whatever they want or whether they put out their own misinformation, it's fine. They took the quarterback that
3: they had to take. The Houston and Texans are going to get better. Big fella, and what did I say coming into the draft? C.J. Stroud was my number one quarterback. I had Until- C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. I just yep. did. I liked him more as a player, and I like the size. I think there's less of an unknown when it comes to durability concerns. But here's what I will say. The Houston Texans, over the last calendar year between two drafts, have addressed the top four most important positions in the entire sport. Think about it this way. You got a left tackle? Laramie Tunzel just signed an extension. You got a quarterback? C.J. Stroud, number two overall pick. Pass rusher? Will Anderson, third overall pick. Cornerback, Derek Stingley Jr., third overall pick a year ago. Big fella, those are the top four positions of importance when it comes to winning in today's game. And they got them. Who cares what they gave up to get them? Mm -hmm. People talking about the first-round pick in 2024 – Yeah, they still got another first-round pick from the Cleveland Browns by virtue of the Deshaun Watson trade. So they'll have draft capital to continue to add to the core of players that they've already put together. But this team was ready to absorb a franchise quarterback. If you think about the offensive line that they have in place, they added Juice Scruggs, who's a really good center out of Penn State too. Not a lot of people know him, but he's going to be an anchor for the interior of that Texas offensive line. I love what the Texans did. And dare I say, Houston, as a worst-to-first candidate in 2023. You heard it here. The Houston Texans as a worst-to-first candidate in 2023. Look at you. Rolling the dice. Oh,
2: I like it. Number one. I I mean, I can't get over what the Philadelphia Eagles continue to do. We talked about it a little while ago, but. You get the number one overall player in the draft that more than one analyst thought and Jalen Carter. You get him at the ninth pick. You go get Nolan Smith later in the first round at the 30th pick. He's another terrific edge rusher. Canty, don't overlook Tyler Steen from Alabama. Tyler Steen is a good player, and as one offensive line coach in college football told me, he's going to walk in there, and he's going to be a starter before you know it. And I know it's the Philadelphia Eagles, but don't forget, Isaac Samalo's is gone. He might be able to replace him. And another guy that I know you weren't as high on, but a few coaches were, especially because of size and speed combination, is Keeley Ringo. I know of at least one DB coach of a team that needed – EBS that had him on the same level there was a tier 1 and Keely Ringo was the fourth num- member of tier 1 the other three went in the first round
3: Listen so. I like I like Keely Ringo as a player like he, he tailed off a little bit at the second half of this past season but Keely Ringo has been a really good player the last couple of years in college football. I I think he has all of the tools to be a really good pro. It's just a matter of getting into a a room with some other guys that have been around the block a little bit to refine his technique um, and to improve improve his overall football IQ. But I think Keely Ringo is going to be great for that Eagles defense. And he's a guy that you kind of need because Darius Slay and James Bradbury are getting older. So I, I like the, the the draft pick, I think they got great value in the fourth round with Keely Ringo. And I just want to ask you this question, big fella, because I know mm. you worked in Philly Sports Radio for a time. Yeah. Are are you trying to get back there? With as much as you've been touting the Eagles and Howie Roseman over the last three days, do you want to go back to Philly Sports Radio? I'm, I'm asking. Well, I mean, you- I love, I only
2: live down the road. Um, I'm not trying to get back to Philly Sports Radio. I'm trying to do a show with you. Okay. But I'll also be the one to tell you, a lot of what Howie is, you know, let's call it what it is, okay? If you go back and you look chapter and verse at what the initial inclination on things to do was as opposed to what actually happened, if Howie got his wish the first time around on a lot of these decisions, Eagles would not be in this position. Mm. Remember, (laughs) just to give you an example, and there's four or five of them, Howie Roseman wanted to trade up and take Zach Wilson. Don't forget that. Yeah, that's after he paid Carson Wentz, right? Yeah, and after they drafted Jalen Hurts. Mm. Yeah, mm. see what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. So, so, your what saying is, so what, and what you're Candy, saying is, so what you're saying is,
2: as one person put it to me last week, last year, uh, last week about last year, they just handed 250 million to the guy that they were willing to let go and go get Deshaun Watson for last year. Don't forget mm. that. Yeah. Try to get Deshaun Watson, too.
3: They were all in there. So so what you're saying is Howie Roseman in the draft war room is like I am on the golf course. It's better to be lucky than good. I think at times that's the case. I <laughs> okay. think at times that is the case. All
4: right.
2: Yes, that's all. I'm well, saying hey, he's not good. He's, he's, he's on a heater right now, big fella. Uh, he's on a to, heater. <laughs> can't he, somebody's, I'm trying to remember who said this. He is football's Brian Cashman. He plays the media wow. exceptionally well, exceptionally well, and he has done some the right things. And when the things they have done right is pick offensive and defensive linemen for the most part. Yeah, although Andre Dillard didn't
3: exactly pan yeah, out and neither Did, did that Derek that Barnett? Did, that, that didn't pan out. But you, but you never make a hundred percent of the shots. But you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. But one thing I will say though that that makes him unlike Cash at least this guy gets to the Super Bowl. He gets to the championship game. <laughs> it's been over a decade since the Yankees been in a World Series. so I I, don't, I feel like the Cashman example is a bit disrespectful to what Harry Roseman has done. Two Super Bowls since 2017, I'm just
2: saying. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN 888 Taking calls on the Warriors and the Lakers, who wins the series and why and... Who had the best weekend in the draft? We will take those calls as well. Speaking of Philadelphia, oh boy, Sixers and the Celtics. Game one does not sound like Joel Embiid is going to play uh, in game one from all uh, indications. Still uncertain. Who knows? Maybe he ends up playing tonight. We'll see how that plays out. But it did not sound like it was leading in that direction. Canty, Joel Embiid's been amazing this year and deserves to win the MVP, as he is going to. James Harden is still a great player. He is not the same level of scorer that he once was. The Philadelphia 76ers are in a position right now to win a championship. It may be their best chance at it. And for Embiid, we got to spend some time on the court here in the postseason. Because we are now what, six, seven years into his on-court career. I'm not counting the first two years when he didn't play. Uh, It's time. It's time. And as good as he was this year and as healthy as he's been the last two seasons, they seem to pop up in the postseason. I know he gets beat up. I know he's got a weird, gangly body. Got to show up. This is what being one of the all-time greats is about.
3: No, I'm with you on that. He's got to show up. But I I, I can't knock Joel Embiid when he's gone back-to-back years where he's played in more than 65 games in the regular season and in back-to-back seasons where he's led the NBA in scoring. I I just – I can't look at the 2022-2023 season and put it on Joel Embiid. I can't look at this series and put it all on Joel Embiid. I know if he's able to be out there on the court, Embiid is going to produce – The biggest question I have about Philly is, can Doc Rivers be the difference in one of these games in the early going in this series, knowing that Embiid's health is a little bit compromised? And can James Harden show some semblance of the guy that won an MVP when he was in Houston in the early part of this series? If those two things can happen, then I think the Sixers can make this a long series and potentially advance to the conference finals. But if they both don't happen, then the Sixers have no shot and that would be sad to waste the kind of season that Embiid has put together. No, they need him. They need Harden to be a big factor here.
2: They, they, they. I have trouble getting through, though, the idea that um, – do you think we're still capable of seeing the James Harden that you're speaking of at that level? I, I'm skeptical of that.
3: I'm skeptical of it, too, but I will say this. The last time these two teams played, Joel Embiid dropped 52 points in a Sixers win. And Mm -hmm. that was early April. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the series is a fait accompli and that the Celtics can go ahead and start printing tickets for the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Sixers are going to have something to say about it because I do believe that Embiid is going to play. What I'm saying is I don't know if it's going to be tonight, and I don't know if it's going to be game two. The biggest question is going to be can the others from Philly hold it down and at least make it competitive in trying to get one of the first two games in Boston – so this series has, you know, some chance of being a long series and Embiid being able to have his imprint on it. The more games that you can have Embiid be a part of, the better chance the Sixers have of being able to win the series. That goes without saying. Yeah. And so my biggest point is, can Doc Rivers, through some X's and O's, and James Harden, through, you know, uh, you know, uh, a, a turn-back-the-clock type of performance, do the job in terms of being able to steal one of these early games and get home court advantage for Philly? That is the question. I don't know if it'll happen, but I will say this. I think this series is, even though we're focusing on Embiid, is going to be more of a referendum on Harden and on Doc Rivers than on JoJo. Look, if if Doc has his full complement of players
2: this whole series and they lose, he's got no excuse. They're going to have lost because of Doc. Let's be clear about what I'm talking about with Embiid. It is simply about being on the court. I have no question how whatsoever about how he will perform if he is out there. Mm-hmm. Um but for Doc, if those two guys are out there, there's no excuse. You know, for Harden, I don't know what James Harden wants. Like if this is let me get out of here after this season and go get a max contract somewhere. First of all, you give James Harden a max contract after no, this year, you're a sucker. No, I'm
3: not, I'm, I'm not giving him a max contract, no. max money and max years. No way. No, 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 you're a sucker if you do that.
2: No, but that's what he's, that's what he's aiming for. Which well, is silly.
3: well, we don't know that now because James Harden didn't take all of the money when he got this latest extension from Philly. Like, but, he, he, but, He didn't take all all of the money. He left some room because they wanted to make some upgrades, some improvements. They were able to bring over DeAnthony Melton, and they got P.J. Tucker. So Mm -hmm. he he left them a little bit of room to be able to navigate. That front office had some more flexibility than had he taken a max contract. So I don't know that he's looking for max money, but my point is this. He's got a $35 million player option. If you're the Sixers, if he doesn't show up in this series, do you want him back? We all know that players are tradable on, on expiring contracts. So I, I, I couldn't imagine that it would be terribly hard to find somebody that would take Harden off your hands for for a bunch of other pieces. What the Sixers have to determine, if they come up short, is are those other pieces more valuable to where they're trying to go than having James Harden on the court? I, I don't know, but I think this series goes a long ways to answering that question. I don't think James Harden's going to find
2: a better situation to play in than this. No,
3: I agree with you, but yeah. this is not Harden's decision. No, I this get should what be you're the saying. front office of Philly's decision. Yeah. I get I get what you're
2: saying. It's if I'm Harden, the, let's see it. If you're if you're that level of guy and and you have just never been in the right situation, you're in
3: it now. So let's see it. I mean, Indeed. this is the whole point of you being there though. Like yeah. like this is the whole point of them making a deal with the with the Nets a year ago, is so that in this moment when you you might be shorthanded, when MB might be dealing with something, you could carry the team. Now, you got some help because you got Tyrese Maxey and you got Tobias Harris. You got some other guys that can score, but but you've got to be the guy in this spot going up against the team that represented the conference in the NBA Finals from a year ago. Like Give your team a chance. That's what we're looking for from James Harden. It ain't got to be a 40-point night but it does need to be somewhere north of 25 points, somewhere north of 10 dimes, and not turning the basketball over. If you can do that, then your team will have a chance. That's all we're asking. Give the Sixers a chance. But hand-in-hand with James Harden is Doc Rivers. Both of those two figures have to step up with Joel Embiid being compromised from a health standpoint early on in this series.
2: Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speaker as well. In moments, my friends, Steph LeBron. Who does this series mean more for and their legacy? We're about to get windy in moments on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker.
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Again, try Jet's signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI To connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.
2: Game one tonight, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. The first thing you want to do when you want to get smarter about basketball, you listen to the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider. It is tremendous. Tim McMahon's on there all the time. Tim Bontemps on there all the time. And they have great basketball conversations. Wendy, Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, we appreciate it. Uh, let's talk first about Celtics and Sixers. You're in Boston for this. What's the latest we're hearing on Joel
3: Embiid?
1: Yeah, they're not going to say for sure until we get closer to game time because they're going to see how he feels. I definitely think he's gotten better the last couple of days. I think he was able to do some stuff this morning and shoot around, but he is what the Sixers say he is, which is doubtful. You know That injury that he had, which was a sprained knee, was a significant injury. I think they were hoping that in the week plus that they had off that he would be able to recover a little bit more from it. Um, he just isn't ready. And, look, we are tomorrow – there's a good chance he's going to be named MVP of the league. And this is the Joel Embiid experience. You have a guy at the top of his game who is the MVP, who is missing tonight probably his eighth playoff game in his sixth different series in his career. That's Joel Embiid, unfortunately.
3: Wendy, if Embiid can't come back at some point in this series and play at an MVP level, it's hard to imagine that the Sixers can be competitive against the Celtics. If that's the case, is the Embiid injury – and his health being compromised enough of an excuse to save Doc Rivers' job in Philly? Good question. I don't know. It's hard to say, depending on what
1: happens these next two weeks. I think he is on track to return. I, I, I don't think they're going to be out you know, for the series or anything. I think he'll play you know, in the short term here. And he's really valuable in this matchup, as you can imagine. He averaged 37 points and 12 rebounds against the Celtics this year. Um, they don't really have a great matchup for him. Almost nobody does. Um, you know, the Celtics' future, or the, uh, the Sixers' future is a lot tied to what happens with James Harden, though. People may focus on Doc, but Harden is a free agent at the end of the year, and there's already been significant rumors out there about his interest in returning to Houston, who's sitting there with $60 million in cap space and a likely top-four pick. And so, you know, seeing what happens there is, is just as important. And this is one of the reasons we've been watching this series for a while. We knew that of these power teams in the East, one of them wasn't making out of the second round. It turns out that two of them aren't going to make it because Milwaukee stubbed their toe. But now two of those teams are not going to make it out. And whoever loses this series is going to face some serious questions, especially if it's the Sixers.
2: Ron Windhorst, ESPN, NBA Insider, host of the Hoop Collective podcast with Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Uh, Let's go to the Warriors-Lakers. It's the series that everybody wanted to see. Uh, Steph and LeBron, who does this series do more for and, and frankly, do more for their legacy as well?
1: I don't think either of them need it, but they both want it. Um, You know, I think one of the things about LeBron is that he saw a chance this season. He's playing through this foot injury, which I I think is, it's just assumed that he's A-OK now because he's back playing, but I think he's definitely still dealing with it. I think we see the effects of it. And if he's able to sort of fight his way through the Western Conference under these circumstances, play-in, bad injury, facing the defending champs in the second round, I mean, that's a hell of a challenge. And like, you know, look, I know that it's been fun. The the media who's been reporting the last, you know, day and a half about this speech that Steph gave before game seven. Guys, Steph Curry did it himself. He shot 38 (laughs) times in 38 minutes. I mean, let's just look at the actions. He said, I don't know if I can count on you dudes. I'm going to do it myself. And so you can tell what it means to him. And, you know, Kevon Looney also had a great game yesterday. And so, you know, you got two guys we're putting on the line here you know who are all-time greats and I, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to come down to that i think anthony davis is the most important player in the series for the lakers for sure um but you know we don't get to see this very often guys i mean it's not been very often quite frankly that the lakers have been in the playoffs in the last decade much less at the playoffs against steph curry i mean this is a great great opportunity for fans and i think we're going to see huge ratings for those games
3: Wendy, how surprised were you to see a one-sided game one in that Nuggets Sun series?
1: Well, you know the Nuggets really hadn't played their best basketball since the All Star break. They finished the the season twelve and eleven. You know they tanked some games late, just resting guys, but not exactly impressive coming home. And they were okay in the Wolves series, but they were at the absolute peak of their power in that game, and their and their game plan worked perfectly. Now I've spent a lot of time around the Suns. I covered their last series with the Clippers. They are very, very potent offensively, and they had a good offensive game and still got throttled, at least in terms of percentages. I know that their scoring wasn't way up there. I'm not sure that the, that the Suns can play a lot better offensively. They have got to, to, to shore up some other areas that the Nuggets dominate, and particularly the offensive rebounding and the turnovers. And KD had seven turnovers. Against a team like the Nuggets where you don't have home court, you can't survive that. So, um, look, the Nuggets are the number one seed for a reason. And you look out there, and the number two and three seeds are gone. You know, the Nuggets stand alone there as a the team that's proved itself. They
3: have to love their their chances if they play at this level. How much pressure does that put on Jokic to get out of this series and get out of the Western Conference?
1: Yeah, I mean, Canty, I think that's he's got to have some of the most pressure of anybody in this playoff. Now, he is not probably, probably not going to win the MVP tomorrow and win the, for the third time if he had. I think it would have really, really put the focus on him. But, look, they are the number one seat. They have a deep team that is healthy. They, they were the second-best team in the league this year at home. but you know, And they would have been the best, but, again, they spiked some games at the end. They essentially were the best at home. The bracket has a bunch of older guys that are, you know, battling each other. Um, it is, you know... They have they're spending into the tax for the first time, so they have a deep team. In the Jokic era, he has frankly no excuse not to get it done. If you know, I know that's not something we talk about a lot because we're so focused on the big coastal teams, and you know they have been very compelling this year. But this is the year for the Nuggets and Jokic, and if they don't get it done, it's going to say a lot about what their actual top threshold is.
2: Last one for me, Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, host of the Hoop Collective podcast. I mean, maybe it's an unfair question at this point, but has this year – how do you evaluate the regular season now that we see what's going on in the postseason in terms of the regular season's importance when we see what's going on with the Warriors? Not just an eight beating a one that's happened before, but the Lakers, same same kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I'm in Boston right now. You have to tell the people here about the regular season. They're, they're still mourning over the Bruins.
0: Yeah, the greatest regular <laughs> season in history and got knocked
1: out in the first round. Fair. I don't even know. How, I don't even. I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's a the devaluation of the regular season has been going on for five, seven, eight years, and the NBA has taken some steps, but no steps that have been meaningful. And I do think that there is a little bit of a one-off situation. You know, the West was so packed this year. That the difference between the three seed and the eight seed wasn't really that much. It wasn't like it was eight games, it was a couple of games. So that was part of it. Part of it was that the power players in the West happened to be older and they had injuries. You know, Steph Curry, two long injuries this year. Durant, two long injuries this year. Um, obviously, LeBron missed a bunch of time with injury. Like the teams that were, you know, four, five, six, seven weren't really the four, five, six, seven. Uh-huh. but um it definitely it definitely is worrisome, and this is what i 've been saying for years. If the NBA continues to tell its fans that the regular season doesn 't matter they 're going to believe them and um, I do think that we do occasionally see some terrific nights and terrific stuff that happens during the regular season, and I think that the regular season excellence should be celebrated. But that is not the direction that the league has gone, and that is not a direction that the NBA has prioritized.
3: Wendy, really quickly, because we're up against it, how much will the new CBA serve to help some of the issues that the NBA has seen with regular season play and stars sitting out nights, so on and so forth? As far as I
1: can see, not very much. Mm. I know that they put in some barriers that if you have to play 65 games, to qualify for certain things, but they put in some pretty big conditions in there. And I don't even know how good the enforcement's going to be. So they did try to address it, but not really heavily in my opinion.
2: Wendy, great stuff as usual, man. Appreciate the time. Be well, guys. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. And I'm telling you, I can't recommend the Hoop Collective podcast enough. It is absolutely awesome. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we want to hear from you. Lakers, Warriors, who wins? Why? And who would you rather build your franchise around right now? John Morant or DeAaron Fox? eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six Canty Carlin ESPN Radio Series XM Channel eighty.
0: Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This is the kantian and Carlin Podcast.
2: So I have a a little bit of a a little bit of a conundrum I gotta run by you. Kenty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. So, Canty, you know back in the day, I used to produce uh, the talk show in New York City called Mike and the Mad Dog. Legendary course, talk yeah. show, yes. right? Uh, just to make this quick, um, as the producer, you book the guests, and occasionally there would be a guest that the host didn't necessarily want, but the host didn't want to be the bad guy, Right. They didn't mm-hmm. want, like they would know the guest but they didn't want to tell him. So I can't use any names here, okay? All right. But there are two in particular that are well-known people that have held this against me for 20 plus years now. And I saw one of them this weekend and it's still chilly. Here's the th- here's how it would go. This particular personality wanted to come on the show. Uh they would talk to Chris Russo and he would say, "Yeah, talk to Carlin." But really it was kind of like blowing you off. Yes. He'd call me. All right, let me see and I say, Well, you know, they're really not wanting to do that particular thing this second. Right? Sure. He'd go back to Russo, both of them. And Russo said, Well, listen, I don't know. I know Carlin doesn't want you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Carlin doesn't like you
2: on the show. So, so, so you he you gotta be the bad guy. Threw me under the bus.
3: Yeah, so you gotta be the
2: bad guy. Exactly. But I mean, these two people in particular have held grudges. And if I told you who they were, they wouldn't believe it. Uh, One of them you might. But but they got to know that's how the radio game goes, though. Apparently not, because I saw one of them this weekend in Kansas City. mm -hmm. And this literally happened 20 years ago. Wow. And I'm talking to somebody, and this person comes up, uh, looks at me, and then just starts talking to the other person, and completely started their own conversation. Wow! Like, uh, he didn't completely ignore me, but, but he shook he, my uh, hand. Shook my hand
3: as he was saying hi to both of us, but didn't say a word. Didn't really me. want to acknowledge you and Had. wanted you wanted you to feel how icy he was being. Toward exactly. you. Exactly, like he was being rude without be- the politest way of being rude. In a how social long can setting, you hold like
2: that? a grudge against something that's really not my but, fault. But, but, and what here's my conundrum. At mm. what point do I just say, hey, listen, I don't know if this is about that, but just so you know, I wasn't the one. It was Dog, who didn't want you on the air, No, No, no,
3: no, 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 no. You, you don't air Dog out. That's not the way to go either. Let me ask you a question. What was the actual setting? Were you in a restaurant? Were you in a hotel lobby, at the bar? Where, where were you? Well, it actually happened twice this weekend with this particular
2: person. Okay, so where were you? Once was in the restaurant okay. and once was in a hallway.
3: Uh, on the floor I was standing. okay so here's how you solve this problem if you're at the restaurant you offer to buy the man a drink or you offer you know you offer up something nice hey you know i have sent you over something to your table or offer to buy him a drink at the bar that's what you do to break the ice just to show him you're not a jerk that's what you have to be and then he'll put together the context clues and realize hey it wasn't Carlin blowing me off it was actually dog the person that I thought me wanted me on the show using carlin as a buffer to keep me off of the show because as you know we have our show here if we want to have a guest on our show guess what we gonna have a guest on the show shannon Penn be damned he's gonna come on the show or hers gonna come on the show that's what we do but if there's somebody that we're on the fence about or that we just don't want we'll use shannon as the fall guy I mean, Chris Carter had it right. You just can't say it out loud. You got to have a fall guy. <laughs> well, and in this instance, with our radio show, Shannon Penn is our resident fall well, guy. I'm
1: glad you brought that up, Canty, because last week when we had the in Lamar Jackson news, I was reaching out to folks. I texted this one former NFL player, seeing if he can come on. He texted me, said, I'm currently working, sorry. And unless you're Chris Canty, please refrain from doing this again.
2: When I text him. Whoa. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: Hmm. I'm going be doing that again. Unless you're Chris Canty. Don't do this again! Correct. Oh
3: wow!
2: Well, I, I didn't realize out who I was, didn't realize what I'm up. I,
3: I yeah. said it. I apologize. I did not know any of my people were coming with that kind of smoke. That is my bad. I'll tell huh? you, you a fair. It'll make sense. That is my bad. That is my bad.
2: <laughs> See, if it's me, It's especially if you're Carlin, don't text me anymore. <laughs> tell Carlin, go to hell. I don't ever want to deal with him again. No shot, I'm coming on. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live
0: weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.